Sarah. Save the world. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Gaia and Sarah. Save the world. This is our final episode of 2019. We are ready for 2020. Would this be 13? Is it our 12th or our 3rd? Wow. We don't know what episode this is. I feel like we haven't filmed in a while. It's been a while. We've been really busy and it's so hard to have time for us to film. Coordinating during like holidays and just tons of travel mm -hmm. and work shit. So And then we saw Star Wars. And then we, we saw Star like, Wars and we don't even want to be doing this right well, now. Yeah, we were like, we're giving up the show. Anyways, we are finally filming the adult attachment theory episode that we've been talking about all fucking years. Like since our first episode, I think. I'm pretty sure we yeah. referenced this in every episode. Yes, truly. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about what adult attachment theory is, and then we're going to go through kind of how it helped us um, to take the test and find out like what attachment styles we have and how it helped us understand like people better. Yeah. And like all of our relationships suddenly yeah. make perfect fucking yeah. sense. Yeah, big time. Um, attachment theory is developed by the psychologists um, John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. And um, it talks about three maladaptive attachment styles and one good attachment style, basically. The one that's healthy. A healthy one. So att your attachment style it's, develops through your childhood. It's typically between the ages of two and five. Yeah. Um, and it's based on the relationship that you have with your parents, but especially your mother. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, what they did is they conducted these, this like one infamous test. Basically what they did was they took um, children, I guess they were babies that were like one years old or less. Yeah. They had a baby and what they would do is they would have it in a room with the mother and then the mother would leave. And they would watch the baby's response to how it basically processed being separated from its mother. And then they would also look at how it reacted when the mother came back into the room. There's four different responses that are what defines your attachment style that the baby could have the reaction to and that's end up that's like what you end up having. Mm-hmm. So um, our sources for today, um, for just like the different types, we just went with the broad definitions on Wikipedia mm -hmm. and then a little bit of psychology today sprinkled in here too. And we'll put links um, in our show notes uh, description on our video. So um, secure attachment is when you have a positive view of yourself and a positive view of others around you, meaning that you have, like, we'll go through normal expectations yeah. for yourself and for others. Yes. Um, um, that's usually, like, you feel good about yourself, and you also feel good about your interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. So it's just, like, a healthy, balanced spectrum of everything, really. Yeah, no idea what that feels like. Me. Um, <laughs> clueless. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so... There's also insecure types of attachment, so that's the three others. So anxious, preoccupied um, are very negative towards themselves, but positive towards others. Self, well, not really self-sacrificing. It's like self-betrayal mm -hmm. in order to please others and putting other people on a pedestal, and also not developing who you are. Yeah, and you want to be closer to other people than you feel like they will give you. Like yes. you always feel like you want to be really, really close to people and you feel like they're not available enough to it, you. It's like a constant um 
state of like desperation yeah and feeling on edge mm-hmm um then there's dismissive avoidant which is um positive view of self but a negative view of others you basically trust yourself and trust your own judgment and the things that you do but you cannot like open the door for another person to come in because like the way that it's presented is that you want nothing to do with that but it's really that you're terrified of doing right. that exactly and then the really fun one is fearful avoidant which means you have unstable and this says um fluctuating and confused view of yourself and others so nothing is good fearful avoidant is also called disorganized attachment i guess like it's more of an opinion like if you want to call it fearful avoidant or disorganized i like calling it disorganized because i think it makes more sense Mm -hmm. um but basically if you have any of these besides secure that's where you end up facing the problems within yourself and within your relationships. Referring back to the study with the babies, let's say that the baby that's in the study has um, avoidant attachment. Okay, so what would happen is the mother would leave the room and they would be studying the baby's reaction and basically we're making the baby a boy for this for whatever reason. Um, ew. Ew. Okay, no, never mind. It's a girl. It's a so, girl. <laughs> basically what she would do is she would, they, I think they even had like their pulse and everything like yeah. hooked up. So like it would show that she was scared that the mom left. Like the anxiety is rising, like the need mm-hmm. for closeness is there. But... What avoidance then do is they don't visibly show it and they don't express it. It's all internalized internalized. and pushed down. And then when they are reintroduced to the mom, like when the mom comes back into the room, there's like zero, like reaching out for affection, uh, like no sense, no visible sense of relief to be reunited with the mom, even though on the test it shows their heart rate and everything slowed back down, the comfort's there, but they will not express right. or show it. Like they, I remember reading that the avoidant, um, babies would like basically not even reach for their mom, mm-hmm. just kind of like look through them. Yeah. Because it's like, a lack of trust and you have no security yep. with that person. And they try to like almost be like self it's crazy to think about this with babies, but it's trying to be self-sufficient and like not need anything. So right. they don't ask or show. Right. Exactly. Um so then you can see how this would play out with the other ones. So like if you have anxious attachment, it's the second that the mom is out of the room, like pure panic. Yep. Uh, racing heart, uh, body temperature elevated, just in fight or flight mode yep. immediately, feeling like I can't, I can't do this, I can't exist. I'm not okay alone. I'm just falling apart. And then reunited with the mom is like immediate affection, everything's back to normal, clinginess, mm-hmm. like please don't leave type of reaction. Right. And then a fearful avoidant person or disorganized person, baby in this case, is really both. So yeah. it depends on the situation. It mm-hmm. fluctuates. The baby that with the secure attachment, though, would be okay when the right. mom leaves the room and able to sit in like feelings of discomfort, mm-hmm. just you know, exist, and then excited to be reunited with the mom and able to show that and still okay. So a lot more level, like less yes. spikes and no pushing down, being in like 
almost like denial of the feelings or like literally afraid and anxious about your feelings. There's none of that. So let's talk about what happens to make you each one of these ways because I'm pretty sure everyone's like, what the fuck happened to me? Right. Um, and that really is what it's about. It's yeah. not what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pick one. Which one do you want to talk about? Oh, boy. Um, anxious, preoccupied. Your needs are not being met. So you're constantly, like, on edge and worried and almost, like, churning. You know? Yeah. Like, you're just really, like never level inside. Well, there's a lot of comparisons that um, certain psychologists make to anxious, preoccupied, and drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's essentially, like, not being okay without it, going through, right. like, withdrawal symptoms that are even physical. Right. Um, and it's basically, like, like you said, like, your needs were not met as a kid. And it could be that maybe, like, your parents, you know, showed you love and safety, but it wasn't consistent. Right. Like, maybe, like, they did it sometimes, but then other times, like, they just didn't want to deal with what was right. happening, so they would, like, not really, like, be so involved. And it's that bumps, it's the bumps in the road and not having consistent um, security within right. like, your relationship with your parents. Right. Um, not feeling safe. That is one of the biggest things. Yep. Or absences. So if you had a parent that left, or maybe like they would leave for certain periods of time, a lot, worked a lot. Or maybe like one of your parents just left you. Mm -hmm. um, That can trigger anxious attachment style because it feels like nothing is secure. Right. And so you're constantly like fiending for this sense of like, is everything okay? Do you still love me? Mm -hmm. I need constant reassurance. And that's something that goes along with anxious, preoccupied. Right. You literally feel like you need reassurance of absolutely everything all the fucking time because you don't believe that it will stay that way. Yeah. And it's not like what I think is, can be challenging. Like if you, when you first start down the path of like understanding your attachment style, or if you first start therapy, like a lot of it goes back to your childhood. It doesn't mean you had abusive parents or even that you had neglectful parents. It could just mean like boundaries weren't established correctly or it was inconsistent or you're the first kid and they're learning a lot on you unfortunately you know it doesn't have to be extreme situations like it could be mild stuff but it's still going to affect you while you're a kid and like play out throughout your life because it teaches you what it means to be in a relationship with someone so it teaches you how to depend on someone and that's why it's so important that we have education before mm-hmm. having kids because these micro things that may seem like nothing that's literally what establishes your kids ability to have healthy relationships yeah totally totally um, and then of course it can go you know on other sides of the extreme where it is abuse and, neg- and you know a neglect and stuff like that so what's good about getting a detailed test done is it shows you where you're at Mm -hmm. on the different spectrums of the different aspects of your attachment style and it shows you all the possible unhealthy traits and which unhealthy traits you have so it's not like you're like you're this attachment style so you do all of this list of things it could be like you do two of them yeah it's a spectrum yeah um so that was the anxious preoccupied Mm -hmm. attachment so then uh I've actually read quite a bit about the avoidant one, which is like some interesting little things about yeah. it. Yeah. So if your attachment style is avoidant, 
then there are certain things that may have happened in your childhood to, I guess, make you this way. Um, and one, the, one of the biggest things that I've read is having a depressed mother because mm-hmm. when you're depressed, it's really hard to care for a child. Yeah. Um, and so what you, I guess in your baby brain, the way that it works is you understand on some like just intuitive level that your mom is not okay. Yeah. And so therefore you cannot, um, get the things that you need. Yeah. Or having a mother that is fearful. Now, she could be fearful because she's having an abusive relationship with the father, and so you're sensing the fear in her actions, even on her expressions or the way that she reacts to you. Mm -hmm. If you were sensing fear as a baby that literally tells you, I'm not safe, my needs are not going to be met, I will retreat inward. Yep. And that's what avoidance do. Yep. So it's not that they don't have the same emotional needs as everyone else. It's that they have been conditioned to accept that their needs will not be met. Right. And that's so hurtful that they bury all of their needs inside Mm -hmm. and convince themselves, I don't need anyone. I don't need relationships. And it's because they're terrified of intimacy. Right. They're completely convinced and it feels true that they don't need any kind of intimacy or they're like, take it or leave it about it. Like very Very much rigid boundaries to the point where you can't have a relationship because everything has to be, it will never get past whatever walls they have put up. And these are people that typically have like commitment issues too. And they usually, unless they've done like some inner work, have no idea why they're just like, I just don't care about relationships. It's, It's deep embedded fear. Yeah. That starts when you're a baby. Right. Yeah. So again, like the depressed mother, even though it may not be like super prominent and obvious, those emotions are extremely difficult to regulate and and humans are really sensitive to Mm -hmm. the people around them, especially their mom. Babies pick up on your reactions to everything, the micro expressions on your face. Yep. So while you may think I'm concealing this, you know, I still love my child, your child can still pick up that something's off. Right. And they internalize it because the difference between a a baby slash child brain and an adult brain is that when you're a kid and things happen, we don't have the ability to differentiate what is not because of us. Right. I read this huge thing on it. It made me like want to (laughs) die. That basically like, okay, example, you're five or six years old and your parents sit you down to have a hard conversation. They're getting a divorce. Your brain at that point in your development does not know how to say it's not because of me. Right. So when a baby sees like the mom who's depressed or fearful, they don't go, oh, she's got other stuff going on because they're a baby. They think it's all about the the relationship between the two. Right. And they react accordingly. Yeah. But with the secure attachment system, this means that your parents were both present emotionally available, consistent, reliable, and made you feel safe. Yep. And from what we read, I remember uh, looking up, like, what percentage of people are even secure? Right. It was a large percentage, which blows my fucking mind because I don't feel like I know many people with a secure attachment style. Yeah. I can think of one. Or maybe it's just (laughs) our generation ended up more not with secure attachment styles. Maybe, or maybe it's who we're connecting to or who we're drawn to. I mean, who knows? But I feel like it's tough for me to imagine. And I think I had, like, 
a good upbringing and I still have a good relationship with my parents and it's still tough for me to imagine like how to become a securely attached person Mm -hmm. like I don't know what that would look like it's hard to picture it's really interesting because me like now knowing a couple people with that attachment style it wasn't until I knew people that were solidly like that where I could start to see the major differences in myself and them where I was just like Wow. Okay. It's a weird thing when you see other people's, like, almost, like, inner working processes and realize that yours, like, you're not capable of those. Yeah. And then it's weird to start noticing your own inner processes and realizing, like, oh, okay, like, this Mm -hmm. is not the way that every single person thinks. And it's, again, a part of maturing and growing up, like, in the extreme version, when you're a baby and you have no idea that things can happen that aren't your fault, as an adult, it's like this really slow process of very slow taking, like getting rid of ego and and getting rid of this you centric worldview mm-hmm. that teaches you that everyone must feel this way, which goes into like projection. Because if you have a particular attachment style, I always put my relationships in the context of how I felt because it was the only way I could imagine other people feeling. Yeah. It's cr- it's really hard to step outside of yourself and imagine that the things that affect you don't affect someone else in the same way. What? At I don't all. get it. Like, it's weird. It's still weird. Even understanding that, it feels very weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, what you do is you try to treat someone in ways that you know would make you feel good, but if they don't have the same attachment style it as doesn't you, help. it doesn't do anything. Like... Yeah, I love being reassured. I want to be yes. reassured constantly. And my partner, like, it's like, I do not need or appreciate or want reassurance, really. Like, maybe, like, the tiniest normal amount yeah. of it. But I'm like, I want to reassure you for seven hours straight. And yeah. like, no, thank you. That's literally how I am, too. And what, yeah. you're, what we're doing is we're projecting our own needs out there. Right. To be like, this is what makes me feel good. Right. So you want it, too. Okay, so fearful avoidant. This is the most uncommon I know. Attachment style. Are we, are we recording? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we are recording, and we both have the most uncommon attachment style. Hello. Hi. We have disorganized attachment. Hi. Um, I, my name is Sarah, and I'm a disorganized oh attachment. Oh, my God. Yeah. Everything that we just said about anxious attachment and avoidant attachment, it's both just mash it together at the same time. Blend it. Fluctuating. It depends um, on, like, so... In, pa- in past relationships, I've been with different attachment styles and, like, what they are changes kind of how mine manifested. And it's all bad. It's bad news. Yep. It fucking sucks. It's really, <laughs> really hard because it's not just an extreme in one direction that you can, like, work on and understand. It's an extreme in both directions that gets pushed by different things that happen within your relationships. Yeah. So, um, for me personally, like I am, I have disorganized attachment, but I'm more on the anxious side. Mm -hmm. Um, but when met with security and like, you know, reassurance and safety, I then start going on the avoidant side. Yeah. And what that is, is like being so uncomfortable and so untrusting Mm -hmm. of other people that when they give you the things that you need like someone for once is trying to meet your needs the way they very obviously weren't met in your childhood 
it's so foreign to you and uncomfortable that instead of accepting it and being like, wow, okay, and now I'm going to respond nicely. You're just like, no. Your, your brain starts like sending these very mixed chaotic thoughts towards you, which is like, as soon as it feels easy and comfortable, it's terrifying. Maybe, maybe I don't like this. Yeah. Or it's either a sudden loss of interest, a sudden need for independence and to be alone and to push away, or terror. Yeah. And it can go in any of those yeah. directions. It's like a pendulum. I've definitely experienced where I'm like really, really, really into someone. And then the closer they get to me, the more I'm like, actually, please get really far away from me and stay there. Goodbye. You know, like it, it can feel like people are encroaching on you. Yes. And that your independence is going to be taken from Yes. You. Yes. And yep. it feels like um, people only have like self-involved or ill intentions. Yeah. Like, you, you literally think everyone's out to get you. Everything's a joke being played on you. Uh-huh. That's, you don't trust anyone. That's my thing is everything feels like a joke to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's absolutely insane because that's exactly what it feels like. Like, like when someone is loving or caring to me because that's such a rarity in my life or I guess has been for such a long time that my brain tells me that this is like a prank. Oh man, I have that experience too. Like, uh, this happens to me all the time, like still. Like if someone, especially in romantic scenarios, but sometimes even like friendship scenarios, someone like invites me to do something, I will literally think I made it up. Oh my god, I know exactly what you mean. Like I'll be going to someone's house or like going to meet someone and I'll be like, I'm going to get there and realize that they never invited me and I made it up. Yeah, that's like a complete um, inability to trust reality. Yeah. And that's something I struggle with so much. Ugh, it's weird. Like, I can think of times, like, knocking on someone's door and being like, what if I'm just knocking on their door for no reason and I'm a stalker? Like, yeah. I made it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but that's, like, a sign, though, because, like, when you have disorganized attachment, it was that you could never believe anything was real around you. Right. Because it was so all over the right. place that when good things happen, you, you don't know if they're real. When bad things happen, did that even happen? Right. Like, well, and, okay, so that is kind of what we were saying about... Is that the sound of our food? Is that our food? Bring it to us. Noodles. Well, I was going to say real quick before the food comes into our life, like that's an example of not being able to understand how anyone else would feel differently. Because that experience, which seems super normal to me of literally knocking on someone's door and being like, this is probably a lie and made up. Like it took me a long time to realize like, a lot of people probably don't yeah. think that. People with secure attachment don't even have those thoughts. <sighs> jealous. Well, like, I'm what, so jealous. What's it like to not be at a constant war in your fucking brain? I don't know. Thank you. Wow, My securely attached nice fiance box. with a box of noodles. But are what? the noodles really here? Did, you Did I make these noodles up? Huh? Remember the test I forced you to take and it told you you were normal and great and I was pissed. Oh yeah, I was like, yeah, I just answered it and kind of made my feel like an asshole and then I was like, oh, you're really good at being you're healthy. a person. And, I was, and like, I was mad at you. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been invited to someone's house and then you get there and you're knocking on the door and before you knock, you're like, maybe I shouldn't knock because maybe I've made it up and I'm not actually invited and I shouldn't be here. No. <laughs> You've never felt What's like that? that? Like, You've never been like, 
about to go like hang out with your friends and then thought like what if they didn't invite me what and if, I just am per- like I just want to be invited so I made it up that I am yeah what <laughs> disorganized ta- attachment is basically like a complete disruption of feeling okay with yourself mm-hmm. and feeling okay with others um so a lot of like mental illnesses have like a foundation of disorganized attachment like borderline personality like everyone with borderline has disorganized attachment but not everyone with disorganized attachment is borderline right so a lot of times people get misdiagnosed Mm -hmm. um and then if we're going to also talk about other things that are associated with it like (sighs) there's a lot of like controversial things being discussed right now about if as many people that we thought were narcissists are narcissists or are they people that are struggling with avoidant attachment? Yeah. Um, because for someone to act narcissistic, they have to have an avoidant attachment style. But a lot of times, like, what's being talked about now is that we're so quick to call people narcissistic or a narcissist mm-hmm. when they aren't necessarily a narcissist. They, they have traits. Yeah, yeah. Like, they have traits that definitely are narcissistic, but they don't meet all the guidelines, and most of it is attachment-based. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're seeing it um, coming out in only their romantic relationships and not really anywhere else right whereas a true narcissist is like that at work at home with Mm -hmm. friends like all the time yeah and honestly from the beginning of the year till now like i learned so much about that like i used to see like narcissistic traits and be like narcissist yeah but now that i learned way more about the attachment theory stuff and i follow like a couple psychologists that are talking about this we're realizing that a lot of people that are called um, narcissists are avoidance, and a lot of people that are called codependents aren't necessarily codependent. They're just more anxious. Yeah. Um, so there's just, like, a lot of, like, new things being discussed in, like, how this lays, like, the groundwork for, like, all sorts of, like, mental health problems. Yeah. Um, but the most common thing that is talked about without people really understanding is the magnetic attraction between avoidance and anxious attachment people um and how they crave each other and that's why they end up in the same type of relationships over and over and over and over yeah you get stuck in a pattern one person's chasing after the other one and the other person is like the one running away Mm -hmm. and it, it like perfectly matches up with your beliefs that you have based on your attachment system of what a relationship should even look like like think about what that is like think about the act of chasing after someone for love and what it's so obvious what that spells out right please don't leave me i need this i need the reassurance and then the person running is i can't deal with this i can't deal with this it's scary right run it's literally like the same test of what we talked about with the babies yep if you find yourself in that situation on either side of it and you find yourself repeating it over and over again that could be why (laughs) yeah um and then it's also like depend the person you're with will bring out aspects of your attachment style too so if 
these two types find each other, then it's going to exacerbate all of the traits that they have. Yeah, because what you're doing is you're activating attachment wounds mm -hmm. in one another. So if you're avoidant and like your way of dealing with conflict or anything is to retreat and to push the person away, if the person that you're dating is anxious, then that activates all of their attachment wounds like around anxiety. Right. So then they become like like super clingy and like I need to see you I need to talk to you like they can't give you the space and it pushes you further and further right. apart because you're just activating one another and that's when you get in these situations where you're thinking to yourself that you logically understand something and you're unable to behave in accordance with your logic yes so when you realize you're crowding someone and and demanding a lot of their time and you realize that you feel like you want to be with them all the time all the time all the time um and, and you're like, I know that I don't want to do this, but I cannot make a different choice. I'm just doing it over and over again. It's because this is so deeply ingrained in yes. you. And so it's, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's like impossible to break away from it, but it really, like, I don't think, and this is something we were saying before we recorded, something that's kind of controversial. I don't think you can change your attachment style. I think I don't think you're gonna change. You you can change your style. I think you can help take down some of the intensity of the unhealthy yeah. attributes that come with it. But I think that when you have like an unhealthy attachment style, the only way that you're really going to not even get through it, but like handle what you have going right. on, is to be with someone who also is willing to understand what you know, the inner workings of you and be open to handling it together. Right. Because when you have a broken attachment system, you do not practice logic or rationality. Right. Or sometimes you have access to it. Or almost. you practice pure logic with zero emotional ties to what you're doing. Right. So it, it's just like, it's too black and white. Right. Um, and yeah. so that's why it's so important to have obviously the understanding of who you are because how can someone else, you know, help you or even just react well right. to what's going on with you if you can't even voice what is going on with you. Right. So it's it's about having communication, understanding each other's needs, your attachment styles. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a lot of communication. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, pills to swallow about yourself that you want to be, at least for me, like, yeah. I want to be in denial of, you know, like, I would, I'm like, no, I don't do that. And, but almost like the more I read something that makes me feel like, oh my God, I totally don't do that at all. Like almost the, the more likely that that's like, I'm super guilty of it, yep. you know? Yep. <laughs> so when you like take the test, for example, and are reading your results from it, it's so easy to feel really defensive it's because... And being defensive is a big sign. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, like, you're in life and you have something happen or you read something or whatever and you just immediately feel that boiling defensiveness coming up, step outside, pay attention, observe it. Yep. Because that defensiveness is telling you something about yourself that you probably don't want to deal Same with. Same with the... Thing that you'll hear people say, like the things you hate about other people, are probably the things you really don't like about yourself, or yes. you do them yourself. It's hard because it's really you don't hard. have like another option. You can't just be like, I've read what secure attachment is, and now I will switch to secure attachment. You can't. Okay. You can't. Example in the 
self-sabotage episode, I talk about how, like, many years back, I had a guy come into my life that was, like, very good to me. Yeah. And, like, right off the bat made me feel safe. I didn't know at the time what any of that stuff was called. Now I do. That was someone who came into my life with a secure attachment style. Yeah. provided security, reassurance, all the things that I really wanted. And you were like, give it. Yeah. Fuck away. Yeah. So it's not even the solution of you just find someone with secure attachment style. No. Because you don't know what the fuck to do with that if you have attachment wounds or a broken attachment system from your parents. Like, you will not know how to process that happening, which is what I talked about in that episode. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. It made me so uncomfortable that I was mean and tried to ruin it. That's wild. Yeah, I've experienced that too, having the um, disorganized attachment style in the past, being with people who were avoidant, for example, made the anxious side of me, like, really, like, I need more from you, I want more from you, like, let's be insanely in love, I want to be insanely in love, like, ah! And then having, like, a secure person come into my life made me, like, why are you so close to me? You're taking up all of my time. We need to be more independent from each other, even though it's just, like, normal. Yeah. Like, let's spend the day together. Whoa, 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 buddy. What do you mean spend the day together? I do not want to do that. Yeah. Please respect my boundaries. Like, yes. you know? Well, that's, I think it's important <laughs> that we talk about, like, the stereotypes that go along with each one. Yeah. Because I think if we can describe, like, what a person looks like with it, it might be easier to understand. Yes. So, um, okay. Anxious attached people. Um, this would be, like, the person who literally never spends any time away from their significant right. other. Like, they, or like, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, they feel really uncomfortable if their partner wants to go hang out with friends and not include them. Like, they feel really just uncomfortable with having any kind of space between. Mm-hmm. So they usually try to, like, incorporate their partner into, like, every single waking moment or aspect of their life. Right, yeah. And that's when you see, like, codependent relationships that we've talked about totally. in other episodes where someone, like, literally does not have a life outside right. of their partner because what anxious attached people do is they derive their self-worth from the status of their relationship, and if that person is consistently showing a lot, then mm-hmm. they love them all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when you describe it that way, you're like, oh, I've oh, done that. Yeah. Like, oh, I've seen someone do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, people that are anxiously attached, like if they have an issue within their relationship or a worry, they're they compl- they cannot think about anything else besides right. that. Like, it's not... And they're like... It's, it's the person who's like, we should fix this right now. Yes. In one conversation. Yes. Let's like, fix it. Like, who cares that we have other stuff going on? We have to fix this because we have to be okay because if we aren't okay, I'm not okay. Right. Exactly. That's literally what it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, let's do so, avoid it. <laughs> okay, you do avoid it. Someone who is like, you know, just completely shunning intimacy like I would like we're gonna hang out until this time and then you're gonna go home you know like then we will be done you know and they don't want to take schedule like, yeah time, structure rules yeah my terms yes. my time you must leave yeah yes. exactly very robotic. yeah like um and and we are done hanging out now and I will see you tomorrow <laughs> goodbye like yes. and I've been on both sides of that because I've been both of these roles um, but yeah, like, okay. And we saw the movie together and our date has concluded. Goodbye. You know? 
Yeah. Because that is the time that I put towards this and I have this much to give and if you try to make me go outside of this then see ya. That's a no for me. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of control aspects yes. that have to do with um, being um, an avoidant. Yes. And it's also like not wanting to take next steps like with intimacy yeah. too. So like not wanting to tell people about your history or not wanting to tell people about um your hopes and dreams and like what you want for yourself or what you want out of the relationship that you're in you're just like nope I won't I won't share those feelings yeah and not setting like goals within your relationship right because the thought of like it progressing or having to like sit down and be like yeah okay let's create a path feels like control, right. feels like it's like not on your time, it feels like a pressure, so you hate it. And it's, you know, you don't want to um, make commitments. Like, mm -hmm. let's not plan something that's six months from now, because maybe we won't be together. Even though I'm totally happy with our relationship and I would like it to continue. It's because if you, if you, what avoidance would feel is if we made plans, plans six months from now, that would mean I have to stay with this person yeah. through that amount of time. Oh, I don't even have the option to leave them. Right. Everything translates to control and everything translates to like you're taking over me when it's really basic, normal, mm -hmm. healthy things. Yeah. And then like normal, healthy things can feel like threatening and yes. feel like it's, um, you know, too much or too fast and stuff like that, even when it's not. And okay. So like, here's an example. Uh, if you were to try to like surprise an avoidant. Like, maybe, like, you want to show up at their work or their house or, like, you know, just do something that's, like, a surprise for them. An avoidant is not going to react positively oh, to yeah, this because they, like, they have allotted, like, when I am here, I am here. You do not exist when I am here. Yeah. And once you cross that, it's... What are you doing Why here? are you here? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Whereas, like... I guess a secure person might be like, oh, wow. Oh, and an whoa. anxious person would be like, thank God. I feel so much better yeah, now. Yeah. It's like yeah. different reactions to the same yeah, scenarios. Exactly. So, I don't know what a secure person is like. Did we say secure? Uh, I think, yeah, we talked we about it. We kind of did. So, fearful avoidant depends on the person. Yeah, very much. So, disorganized. Like, depends on the person that... They're with. A disorganized person with an avoidant person, in my experience, that brings out, like, the anxious attachment style yes. in me. Because the person being unavailable is makes you, like, want them more. And it makes you feel really shitty about yourself. Because instead of accepting that they are emotionally unavailable because they have their own personal problems, mm -hmm. you make it about the quality of you to them. Right. Yeah. Completely. Mm -hmm. And... Because it's disorganized, so you have both aspects. Someone behaving in this, like, controlling way also takes away the control that you want to have. Yep. So it's, like, awful in every way. Absolutely. I score, like, of all the different... So in the test, it gives you a bunch of graphs. And the categories are intense need for security, avoidance of closeness, self-esteem, uh, need to please indecisiveness, need to control, and extreme altru uh, altruism. So my highest graph is the need to control because I want to control everything in a lot of ways. And, um... Yeah, that's the avoidant part. Yeah. Because avoidance are, like, all about control. Yeah. 
So I remember when I first got these results, like, reading that I was controlling, I was like, I'm not controlling, I just understand how to do things. I just, I just do things right. I just know what's right. Yeah. Like, literally. That's part of it. Yeah. Um, I think And I, I know how my partner should feel. <laughs> I think I have mine, too. I think I screenshot them. Uh, my other highest one is extreme altruism, which is, like, you feel like you can fix people, which I think is a big reason I end up being attracted to people who have um, problems. I scored really high with that, too. Yeah. It's like, it feels like really fulfilling and satisfying to be needed. To be, be needed and to also like feel like you are helping someone become better. Yes. It's like, it's like a high addiction type of feeling, but what it really is is distraction uh, from focusing on yourself. Well, it's like this thing where in a partnership, yes, you should bring out the best version of each other, but that should be because you're enhancing each other's lives yes. and enabling each other to thrive, not because I, me, with all the control, made you better. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I scored really high in that, too. Um, and then, Did you find yours, too? Well, I got, like... Oh, but that's not your more recent test, is it? No, it's not. Uh, the... What was the top? The top one. Um... Intense need for security. Yeah. When I originally took the test, like, two years ago, I got an 88. Gosh. In that. Because I have such a hard time feeling secure in relationships. Or when there is someone who just right off the bat does provide that, that feels so, like, skin-crawly weird mm -hmm. to me that I don't want it. So, disorganized. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So my need for security really only comes out in high levels when I'm with someone who won't give it to me. Yeah. Like who won't provide right. a sense of security or consistency because it yeah. activates all that anxiety in me. Mm -hmm. But once once I feel like things are pretty like okay and like I can kind of like sleep and I can rely on this, yeah. then my need for security drops drastically. So it used to be that it would drop so drastically that I would want nothing to do with the relationship yeah. anymore. But after, like, you know, going to therapy and, like, working on these things, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. Like, I can now recognize the extreme shifts in my brain. And while I'm feeling the feeling so strong, I know it's just a reactionary thing. Mm -hmm. And that you can't make decisions based off of impulse feelings. Yeah. But it's so... Hard. So hard. Literally, it is so hard every single day to, like, hack your brain. Yep. And be like, I'm feeling this so strongly. I want to act on this so strongly. But I know that this isn't rational. Right. It's hard because... It's really, really it hard. It really makes you question, like, what is rational and stuff that's not, like, feels rational. And then it's like... I want to think that there's more credibility to my, like, intuition and feelings, but then you have to kind of look at the evidence of your life, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, it's not that I don't trust myself or trust my intuition or trust my mm -hmm. feelings, but I think part of it, too, I think maybe secure people feel some of the same things, but not on this, like, crazy intensity no. like maybe like short instances of it but not like all consuming yeah that's i think that's the 
thing that makes it difficult is because it feels all-consuming and it feels really tough to even pause and turn your point of view to any other angle. Especially um, if you have trauma, attachment trauma. Because right. then when your attachment system gets activated, you don't just have thoughts, you have physical reactions as well. Mm -hmm. You're like essentially experiencing PTSD. Yes. And if you are someone who has attachment trauma or disorganized attachment, you're going to have these things activated all the time in relationships. Yeah. Regardless if they're good, regardless if, I guess, if they're bad too, but yeah, it doesn't have to have catastrophic events going on. It can be micro things that activate these things in you and you feel your personality literally shift yep. as a reaction. Yep. Yeah, it's really um, intense and difficult to deal with, but I do think that the... Um, tools that we've gained through kind of knowledge of attachment theory is helpful and I can honestly say that learning about my attachment style learning what that meant and learning why that's played out in my life the way it has made it so that I can have a healthy relationship like I never mm -hmm. could have I don't think honestly I feel like unless you have a secure attachment style you can't have healthy relationships unless you learn about this yeah, or get help for your attachment style because you will literally just repeat the same events with new people. You can keep going. Like over and over and over, over and, and over, over and over. Again. You'll essentially have the same boyfriend who just looks different or the same girlfriend <laughs> who just looks yeah. different forever. Forever. It sucks. Yes. We're going to share some examples mm -hmm. of things that we have done that you may have done too. Yep based on your attachment style. So for me, with having disorganized attachment, but more so leaning towards anxious, um, it's a really low uh, self-belief. Like you, your value, you only like feel like you have value when someone else really cares about you. Yeah. Um, so when I was like in like probably like the peak of how bad that was for me, um, Okay, this okay, this is back to like the denying reality thing that we were talking okay. about earlier. Someone told me that uh they loved me. Uh-huh. For the first time. Uh-huh. And I literally thought that it was a joke that was being orchestrated and played on me. Oh my god. Yeah. Like punk. You just got punked like Ashton Kutcher no, comes around I'm, the corner. I'm not I'm not kidding. What did you tell them that? Like a long time afterward. Ah, yes. Oh my god! Like, I didn't even like have a reaction for a very, very yeah. long several seconds. And then I said, I think I said, what? <laughs> and then, are you being serious? Yeah. Because I literally did not think that that could be truthful. Yeah. So my head was. That's not that's not truthful. So what can it be? Oh, it's a joke that someone's playing on you. So now ask them to establish that it was a joke. Wow. I can think of times. Okay, here I can think of a particular relationship I was in that just like <sighs> exemplified having disorganized attachment because this person made a lot of poor lifestyle choices that led to them having to go away for long periods of time and then come back. So when this person was away, I would just like miss them 
and want them to be there and be like, I can't wait to see them. And like, will I ever see them again? And then when they would come back, I would just be like, I hate you. Like, I do not come near me. Get away from me. And I was like an awful fucking person too, even though they weren't great either. But I was like awful because I would be like, yes, I want to be with you. Like, let's be together. And then they would come back and I would be like, no. Yep. I do not want that. I. It's so bad. Well, that's part of like more so like the avoidance side of disorganized is that intimacy feels tolerable and okay and comfortable if you're saying stuff to someone at a distance. Oh yeah. So like if they're not with you in person and you're texting them or you're on the phone with them, it is so much easier for someone with the avoidance side to vocalize their feelings and be like vulnerable. But in person is where the attachment wound gets oh, activated. Yeah. Yeah. So then you're like, oh god, no. Yep. Yeah. It feels like literally icky. Like ew. And that's also what comes into like avoidance like um, idealizing their partners when there's distance involved. Yes. Yeah, because it's an idea of a person. Yeah. Like, it's not them actually. And it feels safe. Yes. And the, I feel like that's like a huge thing is like when the distance there, the avoidance like idealize their partner and they're like super affectionate and vulnerable, but then that all goes away in person. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if you've ever been through a breakup where the person after you broke up was like, oh my god, all the things that I never did while we were together that you wanted all along, I'm going to do them now. Like, they're suddenly willing to jump through hoops that are on fire to be with you and make you happy. Like, you're seeing that play out. That's literally an avoidant. Yes. Because they were blocking themselves from ever having the intimacy that they crave on a human level. And then when when they're like, controlled amount of intimacy is taken away, they need it back. They want yeah. it back. And that's part of, like, what's really sad with avoidance is they, like, create this very false exterior of who they are that's not real. It's a story not just to everyone around them, but to them. Like, they're telling yeah. it themselves. Yeah, and they tell story. themselves it until they start to believe it, until the equation changes. Yes. And that's when they are forced through almost, like, trauma to reconnect to their feelings because that's that's kind of like what the avoidant thing is is not being able to consistently be connected to your feelings right okay here's another thing telling my therapist about events from like a present perspective where i'm like in my attachment style like control freak head and explaining all this stuff to her and how it happened a certain way and to her from my point of view, like, the people around me sound like dicks, and then, like, months later, being like, okay, so remember that thing I told you about? She's like, yeah, and I'm like, well, here's the truth, like, and not even realizing, like, I, I was not, like, lying to her, but then I am able to, like, shift my perspective through learning about attachment styles, yep. like, what I was projecting onto other people and why I was pissed at them because they were doing things that I didn't want them to do yep. even though they weren't doing anything wrong it just wasn't like I want people to do the things that I want them to do and then they're not doing the things I want to do so therefore they're doing horrible things and then later just being like nope they're totally normal it was me it yeah. was me it's that's, totally me that's like a huge scary thing that comes with therapy is like the beginning of you sharing who you are in your stories is without you knowing you're lying Yes. 
You're absolutely lying. Oh, big you're, time. You always paint the other people to be like the bad guy and you're innocent. And it isn't until you stick to it and you start to peel back those layers that you start to realize, oh, fuck, this is my shit playing in. Yes, yeah, 100%. And, and like, you know, just being like, yeah, like these, I was like making people my enemy or I was making mm -hmm. people the bad guy or I was making people out to get me or you know whatever thing it is and then later realizing like oh like I just have this distorted view of what's going on a lot of the time <laughs> yeah and until you like really sit down and like work through the events that led to your attachment style ending up the way that it is you will just keep acting on it. Yeah. And you will have that distorted sense of you and how everyone in your life is. You right. constantly make yourself a victim to everything. Everyone used you. Everyone left you. Everyone, everyone. And you're just fine. Yeah. That's, that's part of the layers of denial. It's that age-old saying that if everyone around you is an asshole, you're probably yes. the asshole. If everyone you've been with keeps doing the same things, like... There's something about you that's playing into it. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, because there's not. But the more you key into the reasoning behind what's happening to you, the the more you'll, un, the more you understand your role in it, the more you'll be able to ensure that you don't keep repeating the same mm -hmm. patterns. Well, here's an example of that of different ways to frame situations with perspective is. One of the things I used to like beat myself up over and just like bawl my eyes out is like every time where I've needed people the most and I like vocalize it, that's when they're not there for me. Which, okay, yes, is very true about my life. But if I only, if I put the period at the end there and leave it like that, it's that when I need people, they leave me. When I need people, they abandon me. I'm good, they are bad. What I'm not factoring in is what led up to that moment? What were the events that took place up to then? And am I placing unrealistic expectations on people that literally aren't emotionally available? Like, right. I'm, am I seeking out people who aren't going to be there for me because they're so undeveloped in, inside themselves that when I say I need you, they aren't there. Right. So, yes, like, it's wrong for someone to do that to me, but why am I placing that role on someone that I fucking know already can't <laughs> do it? Right. Right. Why? Yeah. 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 And what that does is it create it enforces that view I already have, which is everyone will leave me. Yep. And I can't trust anyone. Right. Because I'm literally seeking out people who will leave me that I can't trust. Yeah. Like look like, at the look at the results of my testing. I want to fix people, and I have I want to control people. So I see somebody who I think is like emotionally vulnerable and feel like I can help them. Like I want to fix them. Like I'm empathetic, and yep. it's not like on purpose. Like I'm not like I will fix this person, but I am seeking people out who I could help fix because I really need to fix myself, mm -hmm. and then. I want to be in control of the situations I'm in, and if the person is, like, not on the same timeline as me with fixing their shit, then I'm suddenly, like, out of control, and I hate it, but I'm seeking out people that, like, aren't going to, like, no one is going to be controlled, and people are going to let me down because I'm 
they're not going to do what I envision in my head, in my, like, grand scheme of things in my head. It's not going to yeah. happen. That's not going to happen. Yep. And then you reinforce the belief that you need to control Everyone everything. will disappoint like, me. Yeah. Everyone will disappoint me. And if all the decisions were up to me, then no one would disappoint me. <laughs> well, that's, like, a cycle that you get into with deep embedded trust issues is I can't rely on anyone to do anything. Everyone will disappoint me. Right. And you really do when you're stuck in that think that it's about everyone else, but it's really, really not. Yeah. Yeah. So bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff is so gnarly and you're like asleep to it until you start like studying it and like paying attention to yourself And then suddenly you're like, every single relationship I ever had, it just makes perfect fucking sense. It really does. Well, I think part of the reason we put this topic off for so long is because it's hard to talk about, like, still. Like, I'm very early in my path of, like, accepting my role in things that have happened to me. Not that, like, things are your fault, because you're not causing them on purpose, but, like, you play a role in your life. Absolutely. And becoming aware to the role you play in your life is weird because at the same time, you want to, like, get rid of your ego and, and decentralize yeah. yourself from everything. But at the same time, you also have to understand, like, how you are affecting everything. And if you're a victim of trauma, you've gone through shit, you also need to find yourself that's been buried inside of you forever. So there's just all these things at different angles that make this really, really tough. But again, it's been such an important part of completing all of those tasks. <laughs> well, I think it's also important to note that if you like start on a journey to like understanding your attachment system and attachment wounds and trauma associated with that is it's the very normal phase of that is becoming super egocentric in the beginning. Yes. Like we both have talked about this. Yes. Like you and I learning boundaries and like that we never used them in relationships. Oh shit. And yeah. as soon as we started learning about it, we became like militant. Yes. And super over the top yes. about it. And you become very like, it's almost like you just wake up and you're like, I do need to do what's best for me for right. once. And so then everything becomes about you and it's very egocentric. And I was like, I will never compromise on anything oh, yeah. ever again. I still really, really sincerely struggle with that. Yeah. Because when you go, when you come from a place of realizing that you compromised or literally had no say in anything for your whole life. And when you wake up and realize that you're like, I will never let another person ever make a decision if it's not me making it ever again. Yeah, the boundaries thing is a crazy example because when I first learned, like, I've known obviously what the definition of boundaries is, but, but we don't really know what I it is. didn't have boundaries until, like, a year ago. Yeah, it was like, There was not, like, a thing where I was like, I draw the line there. Yeah. None. I had nothing. Yep. At all, which is from having a disorganized attachment style. Like, I didn't know what boundaries were. Yep. And when you don't practice boundaries in one area of your life, you likely don't practice in any other area. Correct. Which is absolutely insane when you start figuring out what it is. Totally insane. So then I was like, I'm going to go from zero boundaries to four million boundaries. Yeah. Like, everything has to meet my boundaries. And if it doesn't to my, you know, level that I've decided on, then no. Yeah, like, to the extreme. But that's actually, like, what being an avoidant is, is having, like, insanely rigid boundaries that you will never be flexible on. Right. 
So like if you're recovering from not practicing boundaries, a lot of times you can switch more so to the avoidance yes. side, which is what I did. Like yeah. hardcore. Yeah. And too. I still struggle with that so much. Yeah, me too. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. So then, it, I mean, I have felt like I like did like a pendulum swing. Like, yep. No boundaries. Boundaries! And then I'm just kind of slowing down and easing into the middle ground of things. <laughs> and it's so hard to define what the middle ground or like gray area of like, I guess, rational boundaries right. are when you've been on one side or the other. Because if you've been on the avoidance side where you just don't compromise, it has to be on your terms, then meeting someone in the middle can feel like control. It can feel like right. you're giving up what's yours. It can right. feel like you're compromising on everything, but it's not. And it feels like you're putting your fate in someone else's hands. And, and then that activates your trust issues. And exactly. It's, yeah. It's a lot. It's hard. Yep. It's really fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And from the other side of that, like the anxious side, if you're used to like literally just doing everything for another person. Yep. When you're trying to like assert yourself and have more self-worth and demand self-respect and things being on your terms somewhat and meeting someone in the middle... It can literally feel like you're just being so rude. Yep. It can feel like you're asking for too much, that you're being mean to someone. You're not. You're not. You're literally just making yourself a whole person with needs. Yep. But it doesn't feel that way. No, not at all. It feels like you're being an asshole. Yeah. For even asking. Yeah. Or even talking. That's, that's literally how I feel about asking for reassurance. Yeah. Is I feel like... Like... I'm wrong or like mean or something and it's really bizarre all the, like the right. confusing feelings that stirs up when I mean it's just something that I need yeah not I, like 24 hours a day but like why does it feel so weird to just ask for reassurance why is that a big deal right like what's wrong with wanting to hear like affirmation from your partner like nothing no. but I don't know. We tell us we tell ourselves like negative stories in our heads. Mm -hmm. And that's again like what we what we discussed in the beginning, like having a negative view of yourself. So it's like not just necessarily being like, oh, I suck, but it's like truly like you see yourself in the negative as yes. in like your wants and desires are not the priority or your wants and desires are um incorrect somehow. Yes. This is not our funniest episode. It's dark. And we're depressed. Yeah. We're oh. sad because it's winter and we watched Star Wars. <sighs> Big mistake. It was the worst mistake of my life. Let's talk about the attachment styles of Kylo Ren. And Rey? Yeah. Okay. What do you guys think? Who's what? Kylo. Kylo Ren is more of the anxious type. Because in there... Okay, so like... <laughs> He's the chaser. He's yes. chasing her. He's basically being like, offer, offer, offer. I'm offering you this. Let's do this. Let's fucking do this. Do you want to do this? I come on, come on, like, come on. He's like, let's fucking do this. And she's like, ah, yeah, I don't know. She's the, the avoidant one. And the more that he pushes, the more she's like, I'm, bye. Bye. Yeah. And so that's like a classic example of the avoidant, anxious, like push-pull right. relationship. Those people will always be attracted to each other. That's why we love them so much, because we're both of them. I know. We really are. We're I both know. of them. Ah! God. And then it just cuts. We don't end the episode. We just cry. 
this is the end. What's the point? The, I have felt like there's no point for how many days now? Like five. We're talking about Star Wars. Yeah. I'm devastated and maybe you haven't seen the movie yet so I probably can't even put this in the episode fully. I know. Just... I have a lot of feelings inside of me. We honestly really struggled with making this episode because of Star Wars. We didn't want to at all. We spent a long time like creating a photo instead. Mm-hmm. All the self-sabotage that we recently discussed, we did. We like fell off real hard. We ate lo mein. We didn't want to do our makeup and the only thing that made us do our makeup was doing it like Kyle Ren. This is because we love black and red color schemes. Mm-hmm. Simply that. <laughs> Simply because. Simply. How do we wrap this up? We don't. Everything's hard and shitty. Like, I don't have, like, a positive to end on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If it's cold where you are, I'm sorry. If it's dark outside where you are, I'm sorry. And if you saw Star Wars, I'm fucking sorry. Hey, we recently were in a magazine. We were in a magazine. <laughs> And it's so cool to end the year in a magazine and to feel like we actually made our show and yeah. we stuck with it and it's really cool and we love making it even though today we're complaining about it but we've never complained about making it before no. so I think I think we're just we're in a depression because of Star Wars but we do need to reflect we started this in February yeah it's December and we are now over a thousand subscribers. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, we did our interview for Auxiliary Magazine, which you can check out and read because there's yeah. actually like a lot of good questions in there. Yeah. Um, and we actually can't post any of the photos from it yet for months, but there are some ones in there you want to see. They're really good. They're really good. Yes. Um, so we did a lot of cool things this year with the show. Um, I feel like it kind of grew rapidly. It's been such a joy to make the show and like to find out that someone I've been friends with for so long is actually a great partner to work with. Yeah. Like, it's, I love it. It's so fucking cool. It's so cool. I mean, it gave us like an excuse to buy a yellow vinyl wall. Yeah. This is what it really all comes down to. What color should our wall be in 2020? Red? We're thinking red. We're really feeling red right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you to everyone who supported the show. In its um, first year. It did way better than we thought it yeah. would. Um, and if you want to, like, share a story related to the attachment information, feel free to do that. Yes. Um, we're also, again, going to link the um, adult attachment uh, test that you could yes. take on Psychology Today if you want to, like, really find out where you fit in with this. Yep. Um, and then if you want to tell us what, like, your favorite episode was yes. or, like, topic that we discussed, then let us know because that'll also, like, give us more insight into what kind of topics we want to cover next year. Yeah. And we're excited. We have something planned for the first episode, so. Yes. 2020. Um, so like this video slash rate us on iTunes slash... Follow us on the podcast stuff and subscribe yes. to our YouTube. I'm yelling. I've been yelling a lot. Yes. Thank well, you so much. We'll see you in 2020. 2020.
Bye. Bye.